0: Welcome to Insights Now, a series of conversations designed to shine a light of clarity on the complex world of investing. Higher rates and rising inflation have created a particularly challenging environment for bonds this year, with the Bloomberg U.S. Aggregate Bond Index down a whopping 13% year-to-date. However, the sell-off has also brought valuations back down to the most attractive levels in years, and the backup in yields means bonds can once again provide investors with reliable sources of income and diversification portfolios. While economic uncertainties remain about the timing of a Fed pivot and the potential for a US recession, the case for bonds is as strong as it's been in over a decade. To discuss the outlook for fixed income markets and how investors can take advantage of opportunities, I've invited my colleague Bob Michael, CIO and head of our Global Fixed Income Currency and Commodities Group at JPMorgan Morgan Asset Management to join us today. So, Bob, welcome to Insights Now. Glad to be here. Well, to start with, it's been quite an eventful year for, for fixed income investors. Where were we at the start of 2022 and how has your thinking about all of this changed over the course of the year? You're right,
1: David. It's, it's been a heck of a year. We came into 2022 with the central banks somewhat complacent about inflation, thinking that it would be transitory. And then uh, Fed Chair Jay Powell quickly pivoted at the start of the year and told us, guess what? Inflation is a real problem. The markets, though, for most of the year were, I think, somewhat in denial about how determined the Fed would be to combat inflation. And we're pricing in, I think, a soft landing. So the, the first you know, six months or so of the year, in retrospect, were somewhat orderly. Now, looking back on nearly the full course of the year, we see that the Fed has hiked rates at the fastest pace since 1980, 375 basis points of rate hikes in nine months. We've now had the worst bond market returns in history, uh, generally down about 15%. And I'd say the concerns over recession are real. So quite a pivot from the start of the year.
0: So uh, as you say, this this really has been a year about inflation and then the Fed's um, reaction to it. Uh, what are your current expectations now for the, for the Fed? And What does that mean for your duration
1: strategy? Well, happily for us beleaguered bond investors, we think that the Fed is about 80% or so of the way through its hiking cycle. We think that they'll get to either side of four and three quarters percent. Maybe they'll stop at four and a half. Maybe they'll go as high as five percent. But it feels like the cumulative and lagged effects of tightening monetary policy are starting to bite. Um, So, uh, when we look at the key indicator, and you touched on it, it's inflation, it's their top priority, it may be their only priority at this point in time, either the monthly data or the trailing 12-month data doesn't give us the right picture because we think we are at a point where inflation is slowing down. So, we're looking at the rolling three-month annualized rate of core inflation. And when that comes down to about 4%, we think the Fed pauses. We think when it gets under 3%, the Fed would begin to cut rates. Right now, it's about 5.7%. So there's a little bit of work to to go. But uh, as I said, we think the Fed is largely through the rate hiking cycle. And we're beginning to add duration to our portfolios. We're starting to take advantage of the higher yields and extend out in the market. As you
0: say, uh, interest rates are beginning to bite, and a number of other things are beginning to bite on this poor economy here. Um, So, Jay Powell has talked about a narrow window to avoid a recession. In your view, has that window closed, or is a soft landing still possible? A
1: soft landing to us looks very aspirational. And, And if you think about it, the Fed and policymakers in general did the right thing during the pandemic, they provided a lot of stimulus. And the markets um, and the economy binged off of that, and now it's time to take that away, so you're going to have some sort of retrenchment. The scale of the numbers is pretty dramatic. The Fed's balance sheet grew to $9 trillion, that's a lot. Quantitative tightening is going to start to take that away. Um, And with the hike in rates that have already gone through the system, the cost of financing everything for businesses, households, and governments has risen dramatically. Um, So as I said, um, it would be nice to have a soft landing, I would take it, Uh, but given what the Fed has had to take out of the system, it does seem too aspirational to us. Given all of that uh, that aspiration,
0: if we fail to achieve that aspiration and we have something rougher, obviously that does have further implications for your duration strategy but what would you need to see
1: from either the Federal Reserve or economic data to become really aggressive in terms of duration? I want some confirmation from the Fed rhetoric um, that they're at the end of their tightening cycle or pretty darn close to it. As I said earlier, I wanna see the three month annualized rate of core inflation drop to about 4%. I will tell you, I am desperate to add duration in here I feel the opportunity is over the next several months because we do think a recession is more likely than not. I wanna own high quality bonds to be that anchor in the storm uh, during recessions.
0: As we said, just to summarize, we think that the Fed is preparing to pause rate hikes in the first quarter. Uh, What implications does that have for fixed income more broadly?
1: Well, if in fact they they are going to pause, rates should not only stabilize, they should also rally a bit because the market will very quickly go from being concerned about um, high inflation uh, to pricing in the inevitability of recession. Whether it actually happens or not, high quality bonds will do well and, and that's why we're adding them to our portfolios. I think it's too early to take credit risk at this point. Every credit risk is a bit different. Um, in, I, I don't think it's too early. We've already begun to add high-quality corporate bonds. So think of investment-grade credit. Think of bonds that, at the start of the year, yielded two and a quarter percent. They now yield five and a half percent. Corporate balance sheets look great to us, um, and. The higher quality, the better companies should be able to withstand any kind of downturn. We think you could also be selective in high yield. We came into this year with high yield yielding less than 5%. Now it yields about 9%. So there's been a pretty significant repricing of the market. So where we can find the better quality borrower in that market that can withstand a recession, we're also adding them to portfolios. You said, let's take a, a slightly wider tour around fixed
0: income here. Um, as we look for opportunities, uh, perhaps we could start with muni's. What are
1: your thoughts on the muni market? Love it, love it. That it's where the repricing has occurred in earnest. at At the start of the year, we were putting together muni portfolios with yields just about one percent. Today, we're putting muni portfolios together with yields closer to 4%. So some of that rise in yields has spread to the muni market, and there's a lot of demand for tax advantage investing. On top of that, we look at the finances of state and local governments. They look very good. They benefited from the CARES Act. There were a lot of fiscal transfers that went to state and local governments, so their so-called rainy day funds Look flush. It's a good time to add munis to portfolios. All right. So so let's go, let's go from
0: the U.S. and and uh, head out head overseas uh, uh, for a moment here. Uh, the dollar has surged this year. Um, what what though are your expectations of the dollar over the next year, and how does that relate to your thinking on emerging market debt?
1: Shorting the dollar over the last year had, has been the doomsday trade for for any cross asset class investor. And, and we have the same in fixed income. It does feel to us now the dollar is peaking, that you are in an environment where we're coming to the end of Fed tightening, where inflation should come off. There's been a lot of repricing of other currencies. All of those things that were nice tailwinds to the dollar um, should fade away naturally. That's going to push us into some of the foreign markets Um, and and you talked about emerging market debt for sure there are some headwinds to emerging market debt Uh, China has a covid problem with lockdowns Russia Ukraine hasn't yet been resolved and a lot of the emerging economies are suffering with high inflation but when you go into the emerging markets, particularly the local emerging markets, you're getting very high real yields. The central banks in the emerging markets have already raised rates more dramatically than the developed markets. If we think about just 2022, we're coming up to about 3,000 basis points in cumulative rate hikes by the developed market central banks. So. They've been doing a very good job. Think of that 3,000 and then think about what the emerging market central banks have done this year. 18,000 basis points in rate hikes. So unlike the developed market central banks, the Fed, the ECB, the Bank of Japan, and so on, the emerging market central banks are ahead of the curve. They put high real yields into those markets, made those markets attractive. If the dollar cools off, those markets are screaming by. So, turning back to the U.S., uh, one thing that I think home buyers
0: and home sellers are painfully aware of this year is just how much mortgage rates have gone up. I mean, they've gone up a lot more than than Treasuries. And so, I guess two questions: one is why have they gone so much higher? And given that, how do you feel about agency MBS and
1: securitized credit more broadly? Yeah, you're right. When when we look at the mortgage market, there are two things that we see for for us homeowners that have mortgages, if you took out a mortgage or refinanced it in 2021, you generally did it below 3%. If you're doing that today, you're closer to 7%. So that's pretty painful. As an investor in the mortgage market, they've underperformed actually lots of other markets. And, and there's a reason for it. There's the infamous negative convexity of the market meaning that when rates move sharply, it's very hard to estimate what prepayments look like. So you have to build that cushion into pricing. There's also the Fed stopping um, quantitative ease. They had been buying uh, agency mortgages. And, and lastly, banks um, have been making loans rather than using the reserves to invest in the mortgage market. So That combination of the end of quantitative ease, banks using their balance sheet uh, for something else other than buying uh, mortgage securities and negative convexity has created an environment which has been quite negative. For us, that's opportunity. The one area we like in particular is the short securitized credit market. Think about asset-backed securities. Um, They're high quality, short-dated cash flows. We are able to buy them in the one-to-two-year space at 65 to 7%. It's an investment in the consumer. And the consumer today actually looks in very good shape. You've got, I think you would argue, full employment. We're about 3.7% unemployment. And you've got good wage growth. And you've got consumers with deposit balances well above where they were uh, pre-pandemic. So with the consumer in good shape, the repricing in the market and the value we're seeing in that market, we've been adding them across all our portfolios. So let's briefly touch on
0: the debate between loans and bonds in the public markets. How have you been positioning between the two? Well,
1: we, we've owned loans for a long time. Um, and there are a couple reasons. One is their floating rate in nature. So as the Fed has been raising rates, the coupon on the bank loans we own has been resetting higher. Since we think we're coming to the end of the Fed hiking cycle, we've been rotating from loans into cash bonds for a couple of reasons. One is we want to lock in the higher yields. We want, we're willing to give up the floating rate component because if the Fed is finishing raising rates, you're not going to get much value out of that. And if the high yield market is yielding close to 9%, we want to begin to lock that in. The other thing is, when we look at the bank loan market, it's a lower quality market than it's historically been. So more marginal borrowers have gone to the bank loan market than at any time we can remember. So for us, it's a good time to cash in our profits there relative to the high yield market and make those allocations to cash high-yield bonds.
0: Well, finally, Bob, uh, as, as a wrap-up after a truly miserable year for people invested in fixed income, but when investors think about bonds from a portfolio perspective right now, what are the main reasons they should uh, be thinking about when looking to add uh, to
1: fixed income right now? David, you're right. It It has been a miserable year for fixed income, one for the record books. I'm not looking to repeat a minus 15% return again, but we have to appreciate there's been a significant repricing of the market. We talked about municipal bonds yielding closer to 4% than 1% now. Let's talk about the broader bond market. The aggregate bond index yields about 4 and 3/4%. So, investors can put their money in bonds And they're going to get a couple of things. One, they're going to get a reliable stream of income, now 4.7%. None of this 0% where we've been hiding in deposits a couple years ago. The second thing they're going to get is diversification. With the higher yield in bonds, they will be the anchor in the storm during a recession if we have one and give you some ballast in the portfolio relative to some of the other asset classes that clients are investing in. Thank you for joining us, Bob, and thank you all for listening. Please tune into our next
0: episode where I'll be joined by my colleague Jack Manley, global market strategist on our team for a conversation on our year ahead outlook as we look forward to hopefully calmer waters for investors in 2023. Until then, I invite you to read or listen to my Notes of the Week Ahead podcast, where every Monday I share my commentary on the latest in markets and the economy to help you stay informed for the week ahead. For even more timely insights, you can also follow and subscribe to my content on LinkedIn. This content is intended for information only based on assumptions and current market conditions and are subject to change. No warranty of accuracy is given. This content does not contain sufficient information to support investment decisions. It is not to be construed as research, legal, regulatory, tax, accounting, or investment advice. Investments involve risks. Investors should seek professional advice or make an independent evaluation before investing. The value of investments and the income from them may fluctuate, including loss of capital. Past performance and yield are not indicative of current or future results. Forecasts and estimates may or may not come to pass. J.P. Morgan Asset Management is the asset management business of J.P. Morgan Chase & Company and its affiliates worldwide.